Hello, and welcome to episode 194 of the N Focus podcast. I'm your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and we are joined by our regular co hosts, Sylvia Wassenaar and Rosalie, the little record girl. Hello, you two. Hello. We are preparing to enter the summer months, so it's still a little slow. We've scraped together some games that we've played that we enjoyed, uh, some recent releases, some not so recent. So let's go ahead and jump into our latest Switch news. Uh, we missed our episode last week, so we didn't address this when it was new. We won't have anything new or interesting to say here, but let's talk about it anyway. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet dropped its most recent trailer. Uh, Rosalie, what did you think? Uh, yeah, it looks pretty. I'm like weird where I absolutely love Pokemon. I keep buying the mainline games, but every time <laughs> I buy them, it's just more of the same thing of the one before. Yeah. And then I regret buying it. Um, I really didn't like um, Sword and Shield. I thought it was really boring, which people yep. might come after me for. But it looks like there might be some stuff they're taking from Legends, which I really did enjoy because it was something different. If it's more like Legends with how you catch Pokemon, I'll like that. They didn't really show. No, I know. I'm just hoping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's not clear. There's one shot in the trailer where the character is running through a field and there are wild Pokemon lurking around like it works in Legends, but it just shows yeah. them running through. It doesn't show them capturing anything. That's my main concern is if those yeah. mechanics have been carried over from Legends or if it's more like a traditional uh, Pokemon game or an older style Pokemon game. Yeah, in Sword and Shield, you had that one open world space that you had to keep going back to. Yeah. And I thought that was really not a really good... I just thought it was a bit rubbish. It was lame. So why, not ha- why, not ha- why not have a few of them? And it didn't <laughs> yeah. feel... It, felt, it just felt really... Really, just boring. So mm-hmm. if if Pokemon are wild all the time, like it would be if they were, you know, real, they wouldn't all be condemned to the one tiny little space, would they? I don't know. I, I, I probably am going to buy it because when there's always this lead up, usually around yeah. November, because that's when they release new Pokemon, usually. I, I see people getting excited and I go, oh, I don't want to miss out. I'll buy it. And then I play it for like a day and I'm, all, I'm like, oh, why did it do that? <laughs> so I will probably do that. Yeah, I'm going to pre-order it once I get a chance. I'm still waiting for uh, the double pack to go on sale in the U.S., but uh, Sylvia, did you have any thoughts on this? I mean, it does look like this got enough of the DNA from uh, Arceus Legends Mm -hmm. for it to appeal to me. I would be very surprised if they didn't at least bring something over from that new... I don't know if they made a new engine or if they just added new features to their old engine. I don't know. But they, they've certainly brought some things over. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that the entire region is just a big wild area. But um, Yeah, that would, that would be nice. Keeping expectations in check. <laughs> Very good idea, because I, I certainly let my expectations with Sword and Shield get completely out of control, which is why uh, it was such a huge disappointment for me when I played it. Uh Again, the trailer doesn't show very clearly what's actually going on. There there certainly are some wide areas that the characters are standing in, but, you know, Sword and Shield had wide areas too. So <laughs> we haven't really seen clearly the world yet as it exists. It, it could very well be uh, a few wide fields connected by straight tunnels again, like happened in Sword and Shield. Uh, it's certainly much more colorful than Legends, which I appreciate. I will say that I like Lechonk 
I think that's a very good um, Pokemon <laughs> name, and I'm all for that. It does look like there's kind of, they're kind of setting up a contrast between the two. I don't know which is which, but one of them is apparently going to be set in a more primitive environment, and the next one is like all futuristic with technology, and those are kind of working against each other between the two. That could be interesting if they do something with it, if it's not just an aesthetic. Yeah, because apparently the professor names in this version... One of them is Sada, and apparently the Spanish it's derived from the Spanish word pasada, which means past, mm. and the other one is Turo, which is futuro, which means future. So I think they're definitely playing that aesthetic up. You can see it in the logos as well. Yeah, and the legendary Pokemon for the Scarlet version, doesn't it just look like he has a tire impaled in his neck? They both do. Oh, <laughs> one's on the belly, one's in the yeah. neck. Yeah. They're a motorbike. And the Scarlet one, it just feels more prominent to me because I think it's more clearly seen in its profile picture. But I don't know. It just Every time I saw that, it was like, did you get hit by a car? Are you okay? <laughs> I immediately thought of uh, Shiva from Final Fantasy thirteen, um, where the two Shiva sisters combined to form a bike. That was my yeah. first thought. Yeah. I'm impressed you remembered anything from Final Fantasy thirteen. <laughs> yep. I repressed that game. Oh, I like it. <laughs> game was just in one ear and out the other for me. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure we made some people mad with that, but whatever. <laughs> Ask me my feelings about some other Final Fantasy games sometimes. We'll have a right old conversation. <laughs> anyway, uh, in the news in the past week, Nintendo internally has a sequel for 1-2 Switch, the infamous Joy-Con shaking launch game uh, that is testing so badly internally that uh they actually think it will be bad for the company's reputation for them to release it which is astonishing <laughs> with some of the the garbage that nintendo's put out How, have we heard about this how do we feel about this i, I forgot the first one existed yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's very forgettable game yeah it was a good you know tech demo for the um hardware but we don't mm-hmm. need another tech demo for the hardware yeah, tech demo gets that gets thrown around a lot as a pejorative. A lot of people say games are tech demos. I myself have accused Metal Gear Solid Five of being a tech demo, uh, but this one two switch is a tech demo. All it does is show off features. It's not really an engaging game. I don't mean it as an insult. It quite literally is. It, it's like Wii Sports. That was, mm. you know, that had that had more of a game behind it. Yeah, and I, I just can't believe they released it. 1-2 Switch as a full game, full price on launch day. Like, it should have been a free download. It should have come just baked in to every Switch right there on the firmware instead of, you know, a retail game. But for that reason, I still don't own it because I do not care. <laughs> I owned it for a bit, and it was fun to play around with, but it, it was so multiplayer-focused and not online, of course. Of course, yeah, and, and not even focused on the console, because like, if you haven't played 1-2 Switch, uh, the, the games are designed where you don't even have to look at the screen. It's all focused on the Joy-Cons. Like, you look at the screen for your instructions, and then you play with the Joy-Con to play the game. It's, it's silly and weird. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> I think it would have been a lot better if it was wrapped around a WarioWare mm. um, uh, facade, because yeah. it feels like a WarioWare game at heart 
Well, and then the sequel, which is apparently called Everybody's One-Two Switch, it's set up more like a game show, so it might be a little bit closer to that. But the host is a character literally called Just Horse. Guess just challenges different people to games, and I, from what I understand is other people could actually download versions of the game to their phones, and then they could all play together, kind of like a Jackbox Party Pack game. So you could have dozens of people playing together apparently but the internal testing has just been intensely negative so they don't know what to do with it and you know maybe this will just become one of the nintendo legendary games that probably exists but we'll never get to play it it's funny how they're worried about that game doing something to their reputation and then you go in the e-shop and there's hundreds of these games <laughs> but you're like how did this get past their like quality like services because i'm like what is this why what is this you look at the thumbnail and it's like oh no nintendo what so i do wonder (laughs) yeah there's one that's just popped up in the past week it's called like prison simulator fight gang gta 2000 or something it's a total (laughs) it's a total asset flip game but it's there somehow like it might might be the next room in the night sky you never know just oh no (laughs) just an absolutely terrible game that you buy for the meme but don't do that 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 just encourages him to keep making more (laughs) (laughs) so anyway one two switch has a sequel that we will probably never get to play because it's terrible surprise surprise And the details of this story come from Imran Khan at fanbyte.com. So let's move on with what we played this week. Uh, So, Sylvia, you've been playing Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Why don't you uh, tell us about the wonders of Powdered Toast Man and Nigel Thornberry? All right. I mean, it's even in the name, so I don't think the comparison is unfair. (laughs) This is a Smash clone. It's hard to kind of talk about this substantially, because that's kind of its identity um is it not a substantial game i wouldn't say so myself Mm. it plays fine it's i i always hate talking about games that aren't bad and aren't good they're just fine yeah because there's nothing really it's just so hard to say anything about them yeah so it's very much structured of smash brothers but it's featuring a lot of nickelodeon uh, properties um, like Spongebob is your Mario sort of character in this hmm. uh, there's a lot of I think there's five different um, Ninja Turtle characters you got Invader Zim Catdog <laughs> a bunch of cartoons I've never heard of and they all got their stages and everything it's full of personality I will grant it that the animation work and the stages definitely feel very lively. Mm-hmm. Uh, all it really has in terms of single player, though, is just like an arcade mode. I think something like this. I mean, they've only just added in voices, uh, voice acting to this. Yeah, that was a big criticism when it launched is just how eerily silent the game was. Yeah, it adds so much having the voices there, but just not enough to really keep me coming back are they like authentic like i know you said you didn't recognize a lot of the cartoons but like did they feel like did they get the actors to record original lines or did they just pull stuff from the shows it sounds like, like it could be original stuff i don't think it is for everybody because some of the original voice actors have passed away 
So Shredder's obviously. Yeah, I think he's actually <laughs> Jim, voiced by Jim Cummings. It definitely sounds hmm, like Jim yeah. Cummings, and I can't. I can't tell if I don't know if he's done Shredder and. Yeah, Jim. It's like, Jim Cummings. Yeah, some of them felt all, like Helga sounded a bit weird, but then yeah. the voice actor might have aged. Like her voice might have changed or something. It's not always the original actors, which makes me think that it is um, new recordings specifically for the game. It plays a lot like Smash, but it's kind of missing the momentum of it. There's a specific movement momentum and gravity and everything to Ultimate specifically that you get used to. So playing another game that's based off that game, but it just feels a little bit off. It's really, for lack of a better term, annoying. Um, mm. I like doing like dash attacks and stuff in um, Smash Ultimate, and this game doesn't seem to have that. So you either stop dead in your tracks, or you you don't quite move the same way. It's really hard to talk about technicalities. I'm not a huge fighting game fan, so I can't talk to the exact um, terminology that they might use. It really just kind of feels clunky it's both floaty and stiff at the same time in comparison Mm. so in smash brothers you typically have um like up smashes side smashes neutral smashes and down smashes and same with specials this combines um neutral and side to something called mid Mm. and that gets a bit confusing as well to me um i don't know if they were trying to simplify it or what but i personally don't like that um oh yeah guarding guarding doesn't have like in smash brothers you have like a shield around you so you actually know like very visually at a glance without having to stare at your character like you know that you're guarding and this it's just kind of like a a vague uh, animation <laughs> You know, they kind of just, like, put their arms up and block, but, you know, it's not obvious that you're blocking. Yeah, I'm sure the camera is pulling in and out a lot, too, like it does in Smash Brothers. Like, does, do the characters get pretty small? Yeah, it's not as bad as uh, you'd think. Like, Smash Brothers has... Mm. A, oh, I can't remember the name of the level. It's a Kirby one. But it's gigantic. And oh, if you have... Great cave offensive? Yeah. If you have less than eight players... It's just too big for, like, two to four players. Yeah. Oh. Uh, nothing like that in this. Um, there is, like, a, a Poker Floats-inspired stage, yeah. which I liked. Gross. Uh, the, the stages themselves, actually, uh, they've got interesting gimmicks. But some of them do. Like, there's one that's based on a traffic jam, which I think is from Hey Arnold. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine that would fit into any number of those uh, properties they have in there. It's one of those games, it's not bad. I got it for free on PC and PlayStation now. So I'm glad I didn't pay for it. I nearly got this on launch and I think I would have been very disappointed with it. It's it's well polished. It plays well. It's just there's not enough there for me to stick with it. It's just... It just is. I'd rather play Smash Brothers, I guess. From what you're describing, just in terms of how the characters control and, you know, what there actually is to do between the the arcade mode and just multiplayer, 
it sounds like it's a lot like the first Smash Brothers on Nintendo 64, which yeah. doesn't really work when you're matching that up against Smash Brothers Ultimate, which has, you know, almost 25 years of development behind it to build off of. So. At least the original Smash Brothers had unlockable characters. Like, th- that's something yeah. to do. This doesn't have that. Everything's unlocked from the start. Hmm. Which I know... That's a contentious thing in fighting games. I personally like unlocking stuff because it's content. It's something to do. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it doesn't okay. really work well for um, fighting game tournaments. Oh. Yes, <laughs> but that's my <laughs> take on that too. <laughs> As if fighting game fans don't spend enough time playing fighting games that unlocking all the characters is remotely a problem for them. Anyway, uh, sounds like uh, maybe... If you've got some friends for couch co-op and you are all of the age that you were watching Nickelodeon when all these characters were on there, does that sound like where it would be best you yeah. know, to play this game at? It's probably a good yeah. party game if you've got but friends, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, long-time listeners of the show know, that is definitely not who most of us are. Rosalie is still fairly new. Maybe she'll surprise us, but <laughs> Andy, Tori, and I, no, we don't do multiplayer games. <laughs> no, it's just, I, I I mean, I've been asking about uh, the new uh, Mario Strikers, if there's like stuff to do on my own, and it doesn't sound like there is, which unfortunately means I'm going to give it a miss, even though it looks really mm-hmm. fun. And I called you Tori, I'm sorry. I, it's okay. I slipped there. Um, I, for the record, I'm keeping Tori as a middle name, so it's not the end of the world. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like there's something there for some people, just just not for us. Uh, I played the Panzer Dragoon remake, which was on sale for almost nothing in, seemed like, every eShop throughout the globe. This was a highly anticipated release because Panzer Dragoon, uh, a Sega Saturn game, has quite the reputation behind it as just being one of the great games from a console that just really didn't get a chance to get an audience. Then the game came out, the remake came out, and the response was tepid on the high end of reactions. Uh, So I was interested to finally play this and find out what was going on with that. Uh, This game begins with a very very long cutscene. I actually almost skipped it just because I just wanted to get to the dang game already, but I sat through the whole thing. Uh, There are these two hunters. They're chasing through this canyon, and this goes on forever and ever and ever uh, in this game about, you know, riding a dragon and shooting an army of airships down. It begins with two hunters riding through a canyon on things that are not dragons, (laughs) and then they pursue this little creature they're hunting into a cave and then they stalk it through the cave for a little while this goes on for a really long time too uh finally they they corner the creature and then they get attacked by a dragon and then the dragon that you ride finally shows up and then you you uh are saved by that dragon's rider and he he whispers to you uh don't let him reach the tower the dragon knows the way so then you get on the dragon and you ride off you know 
super long cutscene. Most of it has nothing to do with anything in the game. Please learn some basic storytelling abilities, please. When you finally get to the point where the guy whispers that thing to you and then you're off, that's a really strong start to a story. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the game basically doesn't have a story. It's just you flying through, I think there are 10 or so levels and just shooting at everything that gets in your way. And then you make it to the tower and you stop the guy and then the game ends. That's the entire game. <laughs> and it's a rail shooter, very much in the style of Star Fox 64, just not nearly as fun. The dragon that you fly has two different shooting modes. You can hold down the button and that'll let you lock on to everything in front of you as you drag the cursor over them and then you can release it and it will just let out these bursts of energy that'll fly into enemies and target them. Uh, and also you can press the button, the fire button, super fast. And that's what you want to do if you want to shoot down projectiles that are coming at you because the lock-on just will not work in that case. That's pretty much it as far as interacting with the game, which is probably part of its problem. There, there really isn't much going on here in terms of mechanics. One interesting thing it does do is you actually can rotate your perspective. Uh, you can face forward or to the left or to the right, and you can even face behind you, and you'll have to do that to shoot at things as they come by you or shooting things as you're flying beside them. So that is the most interesting wrinkle to the game is you've got to be facing certain directions, and you just kind of have to learn what those directions are. I only died a couple times just getting to the end of the game. It's not terribly interesting. It's not terribly challenging. The game just kind of ends. Uh, I think what happened is this game has this huge reputation behind it, but because it was on a console that didn't sell very well and is also super rare, and when you can find it, it's super expensive, I think almost nobody had actually played this game. And then when they got the chance, they realized, oh, this game actually isn't very good. <laughs> That, that's my best guess. Maybe it's just a bad remake. I don't know. I, I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm glad I only paid $3 for it. <laughs> if I had bought this full price launch day, I probably would have been pretty mad. But right now I'm just kind of amused. <laughs> Is this the mediocre game episode? Well, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Rosalie, you played the Card Shark demo. Uh, how was that? Yeah, um, it was really really good actually i wasn't expecting mm. to like it because i'm terrible at card games um i don't particularly enjoy card games but it's not the game itself is not really about card games it's about cheating mm -hmm. um and it's about learning all the different ways to cheat and how to get away with it so it's published by devolver digital but it's developed by nereal who did the reigns games um they did like oh. a, yeah they did like a game of thrones one which is one that i've played before Cardshark is set in 18th century Fran France, so everybody has like the big, massive, cool wigs, and there's lots of like aristocrats and things in it. Um, <laughs> and throughout, they use um, they use a a Mozart aria called Pa 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 from the Magic Flute, and because it's that kind of time period, it kind of gets you in the mood when you're cheating, and it's really cool. It's basically you start off in a little inn, and this um, this gentleman comes in and is very posh outfit with his big wig and he's called Comte de Saint-Germain I think he's based on a real life adventure there's some real life people that pop up you can play cards with uh, Voltaire at some point as well which is really cool <laughs> um, and basically he tries to cheat or tries to 
uh, help make you help him cheat something goes wrong uh, your boss at this inn um, gets shot or dies and you run away with him and he kind of takes you on and kind of teaches you the way of cheating at these card tricks uh, and you go from you have this little map of France and you go from like different inns and taverns uh, and doing all these uh, card tricks to kind of accumulate lots of money it's really really fun because you get a lot of practice um for every trick and to my knowledge they're based on real uh card tricks and once you actually get the hang of it you feel really really accomplished um and it's really exciting like after i was playing it i was like telling my mom like oh i can do this now and i can do this and i actually do want to see if i can do them in real life because it's just so cool there's like one the, the main trick is that they do throughout for different tricks is that um you're the Saint Germain is the one that's playing the card game and you're pouring the wine and there's a mechanic on the joystick where you can pour the wine like either super slow or you you know you can control the speed of it and then as you do that you're slowly looking over someone's hand to see what their cards are uh you can screw this up and then just like accidentally spill all the wine everywhere which is really funny what's a weird thing is well your character is non-verbal so throughout the game, there's like a story and you're asked questions and it lets you reply from like s- smiling or frowning. Um, I think that was maybe just to speed up the story because there is like a story interwoven into it. Um, but it's the tricks that are like the main focus and it's just so satisfying to play. The only issue is you, if you're playing this on your Switch and you're like playing it portably, you do have to give it your like undivided attention <laughs> uh, because like there'll be one where he's handing out cards and he'll like you'll be able to see what the card is from a specific person and you need to remember which every single one was because you have to pick Ooh. like the highest card uh, and then you then need to like, kind of show him like oh it was this suit and it was king queen or jack or whatever and if you forget that for two seconds it's like oh no uh, there's a hint system, so if you do forget, you can turn that on, which I did, which did help. And there is difficulty um, options as well. But if you properly like get right into it and the music is really atmospheric and the art style, it's kind of like a moving painting almost. It's just very atmospheric and it was very, I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed the demo actually. And I am going to go and get the full game if it goes on sale for a tiny bit because I think <laughs> it's it's closer to 20 pounds which for like an indie game yeah. like that for me is a bit it's not something I'm comfortable paying for um but it was just really really fun the demo is quite long I was really surprised it was like a few hours for me I don't know if that's because I was having to re-practice some of the tricks over and over again. Because <laughs> it's like a QTE kind of thing for like how you do certain tricks. And the game sometimes, it doesn't give you a handout. It kind of, there's one where you have to pick up cards in a certain order. So that when you lay them down, you're giving Saint-Germain the, the best card out of the ones you pick up. But it didn't actually tell me. The con- it didn't just lay out instructions like if you pick left and it's going to pick it left to right and vice versa and you kind of have to figure that out on your own and then if you mess it up you have to kind of start all over again so there's that kind of like mm. but then it, I guess it kind of worked because it kind of kept the atmosphere of not giving you a handout of like saying press this button to do exactly this but yeah no it was really really cool and the demo's really um, I don't know if it carries on your save point if you buy the full game I can't say that for sure but it's the demo is definitely worth it, and I'm definitely going to get the full game when I can. Yeah, the Devolver Digital games—they never go on sale for more than half off. I think 
I don't think I, I can't recall ever seeing one for, you know, less than $5, which is unfortunate because Devolver Digital, they tend to get, you know, really cool games. That's kind of what they're known for. Yeah, I don't know if they owned, um, they bought Nuriel when they did Reigns because the Game of Thrones one was like a pound or something when I got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, even if it was twelve ninety nine, that feels more... It's just because it's close to the £20 and that's like kind of my... For a lot of indie games, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get enough hours of gameplay out of like £20. I think it should be closer to the £10 mark, but that's just a personal thing. Yeah, because you're on you're on much more of a budget than I am. I'm I'm perfectly happy mm-hmm. to pay that much, but uh, well, we don't need to get into that. But <laughs> I sp- I spend a lot of money on video games, and uh, I I don't stress about it too much. Mm-hmm. That's me. So I I really thought it was much more of a, a high stakes poker game, and I, I knew the cheating was in there, but I thought you know just the card game itself was going to be more of the focus. That. Is a little different from what I thought it was. Yeah, there's no. That's what I thought as well. But there's no because I was worried because um, I'm I don't understand poker. A- any video game like you know like Red Dead Redemption that has like the <laughs> option of a poker yeah. mini game, I get someone else to do it because I just I can't remember all the rules and I'm like I don't I don't know what I'm doing. And but no, this is literally just about um, cheating. You just have to know that like you know Ace and then the the hierarchy of like ace king queen and jack and that's kind of it mm-hmm. so yeah so if if you're someone that doesn't actually like card games but likes the idea of this you can play it all right and second game this week for me i played a retro adventure platformer because of course i did called soldiers that's s-o-u-l soldiers like the uh like the song never mind i forgot the name of the band anyway uh <laughs> soldiers is about uh, these this army for this fantasy kingdom that is supposed to be helping fight some other army somewhere and uh, they end up in a cave and end up dying apparently uh, <laughs> uh, that, that part of the game was kind of confusing and it went by super quick I think there's going to be a twist later on but I haven't gotten to it yet but anyway this this army uh, ends up meeting a valkyrie in this cave it says you need to go into the light now and it'll take you to my world and now i'm exploring this other world that the valkyrie have brought me to i'm looking for something called the guardian if i can beat the guardian then i can go on to uh fight in ragnarok with all the other greatest warriors in the land uh it sounds super viking but it's it's really not it's more of just a a high fantasy game and just happens to have Valkyrie in there and it talks about Ragnarok. Kind of weird, but that's what they went for. The other interesting thing about the game is you don't really play as a distinct character. There are distinct characters, but they just kind of hang out in town. Like the uh, the general of your army looks like a character you would play as in another game like this, but you don't. You play as just a nameless soldier and you can play as a scout who... Uh, has a sword and a shield, or an archer who obviously has a bow and an arrow, and a mage who can use magic. And I, I went for the scout just because it seemed like it was the baseline, has the the most health and is able to block attacks with its shield. But I, I have really struggled with flying enemies, and there are quite a number of flying enemies, which has kind of sucked. Uh, I did chop hop over to the archer briefly, and the archer actually deals much less damage with its bow and arrow 
like and not even just lower damage like half the damage i think i was dealing with the scout uh has limited ammunition that replenishes slowly over time and when you're fighting the stronger enemies especially bosses uh half your shots miss like you have to wait for uh, very specific moments to actually shoot the boss otherwise your arrows just don't even hit so i i decided when i saw that i was like you know what i'll just put up with the scout and how hard it is to fight flying enemies because the archer uh, is quite challenging to play as and i haven't spent any time with the mage i'm sorry i just haven't uh it's a standard adventure platformer if you you know thoroughly explore the open world you find collectibles like pieces of heart you find four of them you get a life upgrade and you can find you know hunks of upgrade rock you can take back to town to upgrade your armor and your weapons to make them more powerful pretty standard stuff for a game like this uh, what isn't standard is how the world is built there's a few connecting areas that are basically just straight shots they're super linear areas there isn't much to explore uh, but between them are just these absolutely massive dungeons it, i've only done two of them so far and each one has taken me just hours to finish most of a night if not multiple nights to get through them so it's kind of like having a mini metroidvania that you're exploring in each of these dungeons and there's at least five of them in the game total Based on how much progress I've made so far, this is at least a 30-hour game. Pretty impressive, especially considering there's multiple characters who all have very different play styles. What's unfortunate is the Switch port is really substandard as far as the Switch ports go. I don't know how they made this game. As I said, it's it's a retro platformer. This is kind of the, the Switch's bread and butter. But the loading times on this game are ridiculous ridiculous they can be up to or over a minute long for you know a side-scrolling retro graphic game the frame drops are are constant especially if there's a lot going on on screen like if i light some grass on fire and then the fire spreads to the rest of the grass or if i'm just fighting multiple enemies the frame rate is going to drop down into slideshow area <laughs> not good uh they have pledged that they're they are paying the most attention to the switch version of the game they have already put out one patch which did make things a little better but still not up to acceptable levels as far as i'm concerned i'm very strongly reminded of the bloodstained ritual of the night situation i i almost put the game away until that first patch came out because it did make things more playable I, I i did start enjoying myself with the game after that patch came out but I did also encounter bugs. Uh, I was going through one room and I kept getting hit by something. I couldn't tell what it was. Finally, I died, went back to the last checkpoint, ran back there. This time, uh, the spikes that were on the floor actually rendered so I could see them. So <laughs> I died to invisible spikes because the game didn't load them. Uh, later on, I encountered an inactive save point. I basically had to keep playing past it because it just wouldn't let me touch it. I finally died, went back to the last checkpoint. The next time I got back to that save point, suddenly I could interact with it. I don't know. Uh, then there was another time where I just couldn't open the achievement menu. It just wouldn't let me. I don't know what happened there. That's a minor complaint, but it happened. I do have to give this game, 
you know, huge compliments, especially on other platforms where uh, it doesn't seem to be having the performance problems. And this is what really, you know, got me excited to play this game in the first place is the retro graphics and the music because this game is beautiful. It's got these retro 16-bit graphics that are just so much more detailed than anything the Sega Genesis or the Super Nintendo could do. I, I, I couldn't even begin to describe this game. Just look up a trailer for it. It's a gorgeous game. The, the sprite art is so detailed, and the animation is just fantastic. And then the music, uh, I favorably compared it to Trials of Mana, which is a comparison I do not make lightly. If you're at all into you know, the uh, 16-bit aesthetic of retro games, this should be near the top of your list, just not on Switch. <laughs> because I hope they keep up with the patches and fix the game, because I think there is a pretty good game here. Uh, not on the tier of, you know, like Hollow Knight or Blasphemous, but, you know, a pretty good adventure platformer. It's just elevated by those graphics and the music. That's what it really makes the game worth playing for me. So semi-recommend you know just check it out on pc or on xbox or playstation not on switch not right now i'll check back in later if they fix the game but that's not happening now i was gonna say it's still a shame that there's buggy switch ports getting released this yeah. far into the lifespan yeah I, I don't know what they've done like because like you know a shovel knight like that game it looks 2d but they actually made it in a 3d engine and you you just you can't tell because of the way it runs they might have done something similar here and they just went way overboard and the switch just can't handle it you know still the switch should not struggle with this kind of game but something along the way of how they've made the game or how they ported it did not work right and it's just it's not a good port it's a shame So what are we playing in the coming week? Rosalie, let's start with you. Um, well, I was going to be playing the Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, but... Uh... But we talked you out of it. <laughs> yeah, well, it was for me, it was free, so <laughs> I can play like a few minutes of it and then kind of go back to something else. No, I, I'm going to play um, uh, Nun Massacre, which is a game by Puppet Combo, and they kind of specialize in making... Uh, horror games that look like they were PS1 games. <laughs> okay. Uh, and that's kind of like the novelty of them. Uh, and I've fancied playing this one for a while and a few of their games are on sale. And so I'm going to finally play it. Um, I think I think it is just you get chased around by a nun in a scary uh, <laughs> environment. But hey, that sounds fun to me. So I've seen that movie. No, I haven't. <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of that movie but i would refuse to see it uh, uh sylvia how about you uh so i've been playing the uh fire emblem warriors three hopes demo um mm. mostly because i love the demos that you play it and then it rolls over to the main game when it comes out you you save but it makes you choose between the three houses immediately wow, so oh no I might have to play like the opening three or four chapters three times. <laughs> <laughs> Is this really like building off of three houses? Can, can um, we skip that one or... Is that like a prerequisite to really understand this game? I think this is made for fans of three houses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, That's what it feels that's like. That's too bad. 
it it turns Byleth, which is the the player character from Three Houses, mm. into it seems like the main villain. Nice. Um, well, anyway, we, we'll yeah. uh, we'll leave you something to talk about next week. Yeah, <laughs> it's intri- intriguing. And I'm going to be playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge because you know. I can't not play just one 16-bit retro game. I gotta play two, <laughs> so <laughs> so I'll be checking in with that next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Enfocus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Also make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. Be sure to join our Discord server. You can interact with the lively GamePodular community, and you can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. You can find the links for all of these in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow him on Twitter at PlayCritically, or check out his long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. You can follow myself on Twitter at Stew2, S-T-W-T-W-O, or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ToriSTW. And you can follow Rosalie at Lil Record Girl. That's L-I-L Record Girl. <laughs>